What's the proper way to water the foundation of your house? How does a drought affect your home's foundation? What about your pool's foundation? And your house may not be flooding now, but what about flooding in the future? All these questions and more coming up on the Super Podcast of Texas Home Improvement. Here's Jim Dutton. I mentioned that email question, and, and you know this literally came to me not very long ago. And it comes from Wes in Richardson, and he's asking about an air conditioning deposit. He says, I recently had an HVAC proposal submitted to replace my five-ton residential AC unit and furnace. The contractor appears to be a reputable provider, BBB rated, A rated, with no complaints, who is asking for a 50% deposit up front. I typically think this is a red flag to avoid as the contractor might abscond with my funds without providing the contracted services and equipment. Is this a customary financial arrangement in the Richardson market? Thanks for all your help, Jim. I think you're Jim West. Well, uh, really, let's let's talk about that for a second because there are a lot of industries that do charge a deposit, and, and 50% is not uncommon. If you were special ordering something, you know, the, you, it sounds like you're going with just a standard five-ton unit. But if there was something that was different, commercial units, for instance, those are custom-ordered and in some cases custom-made for buildings. Then a deposit is in order because if that person doesn't use the unit, it's not able to be sold to somebody else. I don't know why, and I'm in the HVAC business. I mean, I, I, I own an HVAC company, and I'm not sure why, but for some reason in that industry, the standard is you collect after the unit is installed. It is not normal to collect a 50% deposit when putting in a new HVAC system. Now, I will tell you, the contractor, he's he's got a lot of expenses going uh, because he's got to go buy the equipment. He's got to labor to install it and everything else. But I think the big reason that typically there's not a 50% deposit and then the other half upon completion it's usually a one-day deal. You pick up the unit, you install it, and everything is done typically in a day. So to answer your question, no, that's not the norm. Uh, it's it's uh, way out of the, the ordinary, uh, at least for HVAC. Now, and I'm going into these other specifics because you mentioned you normally see that as a red flag. In a lot of other industries, like my foundation company, for instance, we do collect half when we start the job. We're there, we're bringing materials, we're you know we're getting the job started. That's when we collect. You know, there are some companies who will collect a deposit prior to even getting to the job site. And I'm gonna give you an example. Uh, if you're redoing a kitchen, for instance, and you're gonna have cabinets made, a deposit needs to be collected. Because once those cabinets start being made, they're not going to fit anywhere else. They're custom cabinets. So there are instances where, yes, you do make a deposit. Air conditioning, typically on residential systems, is not one of them. Wall, this is Jim. How can I help you? Yes, sir. I have a, a foundation watering question. Uh, okay. Grass is pulled away from the foundation on both sides. Do I have to water that 
at the same time, or can I do a side at a time? Well, you can do a side at a time if you'd like. Uh, how are you watering it? Uh, the, the drip hoses and uh, with water okay. hoses. Well, I, I don't actually use a water hose. I have them going over a a driveway, and I use a regular water hose for that because I don't want to water my driveway. Um, sure. I have a faucet in the back and a faucet in the front. And Anyway, I just want to see if I have to water them at the same time for balance, or am I just overthinking it? Uh, the you're overthinking it a little bit. I mean, the soil doesn't react that fast. Uh, the the one thing you don't want to do is spend, you know, three weeks watering one side of the house and then move to the other side. But if you're taking it in shifts watering around the house, there's nothing wrong with that. I will tell you the instructions that we have in the video when you go to our website at thipro.com, it shows you to put the soaker hoses all the way around the house put it on a timer and a pressure regulator and the key thing for that pressure regulator reduce that city pressure down to 15 to 20 pounds and it'll balance out the water dispersal from those soaker hoses you turn it on one faucet the timer takes care of it and you don't have to worry about it then yeah i actually saw that video and is it easy where do those, the buried lines, where do they come up near the faucet to negate them being cut during mowing or weed eating? Yeah, you, you just have to come up somewhere near the faucet, and yeah, you're going to have to be careful during weed eating and all that stuff because uh, a soaker hose, a weed eater will just shred it. Sure. Okay. And uh, approximately ETA is how long it take for the ground to get uh, back up close to the foundation if I water every day and how many minutes would you suggest watering each day per side? Well right now I'm you know on the instructions it normally says 15 minutes twice a day and right now I'm telling most people you're probably needing to kick it up to 20 to 30 minutes twice a day and honestly you're probably going to water for a good anywhere from one to three months before that uh, gap is going to close up. Our soils, when you're on that black gumbo clay, only absorbs an eighth of an inch an hour. Anything more than that, it runs off and it doesn't do any good. Okay. Thanks. Good to know. All right. right. Well, Well, thank you, sir. I appreciate it. Take care. You bet. Thank you. Bye. Goodbye. And this is for everybody. Keep in mind, you know, when we watch the weather and they say, oh, we got three inches of rain and it broke the drought. That is lake levels. That is not what our soil is doing. You know, we've had we've had some rains here and there. And if you go outside, look at your soil, it's still got major cracks in it. Because, again, it only absorbs a little bit, that eighth of an inch an hour. The rest runs off fills up the lake the lake people are happy but the soil it's still dry and still in drought conditions let's see here mary in mansfield how are you today i'm good how are you you're doing a good job so far (laughs) thank you ma'am i have a i need a recommendation on a air conditioner they're okay. telling me one uh, i guess two of my people it's a linux and it's only i've only had it for eight years I'm not quite understanding why it's still under warranty, but I'm not quite understanding why it's not. It's, it keeps having to be almost rebuilt every time. So they're telling me I need to rebuild it or get a new unit. 
and I'm torn because that's a big financial hit. It is. So, and how many times have you had had to have this rebuilt already? I haven't had it. Just individual parts. Okay. Time after you know at different times, not a complete rebuild. Hey. This this would be a complete, almost a complete rebuild. What are they having to replace on it? Compressor, um, fans, batteries, uh, possible freon leak. Um, so the coils. And um, a couple of other little little things, I think. I don't remember what all I wrote down. I don't have it. I'm in my car. Okay. Well, the the uh, compressor, if on an eight-year-old system, more than likely is still under warranty. So that ought to be covered, I would think. Uh, as far yeah. as adding Freon, you know, coolant and the coil leak and stuff like that, that normally would not be. But... To have them check the warranty because on a Lennox, it may have a 10-year warranty on it. Uh, some do, some don't. So a lot of this may be actually covered by warranty. I, from what I'm understanding, I have a 10-year warranty. Um, they did call. Not, uh, they did talk to Lennox at the time when we were talking about it. I have uh-huh. a 10-year warranty on parts but not any labor. Okay, and then and, they and, would take the parts and turn them in, and take and get the money from that. But I wouldn't get the money back. I wouldn't get right. any money. Okay, but they're but they're not going to charge you for the parts. They're only going to charge you the labor. Supposedly, but it's still ending okay. up being like five thousand dollars for the rebuild. I'd get a price from another company. Okay, any suggestions? <laughs> and, You're in. What? The, what yeah, I, I, yes, I'm in Mansfield. Mansfield? I'm in okay. Yeah. Okay. If you go to our website, thipro.com, uh, there's actually three air conditioning companies on there that you can call. Okay. Uh, one is On Time Experts. Mm-hmm. One is Stewart HVAC. Okay. And one is Due West Air Conditioning. Okay. And give any any one of us uh, would be able to help you out. Okay. Well, now, one, on time, on time is the one that came the last time. This this okay. last one, they're the one that are giving me that that price. And um, that's why I'm kind of like that seems awfully high. Yeah, but. get another bid because, and uh, honestly, even when you deal with uh, you know one of the people at on time, you may. Uh-huh have a different tech come out and actually receive a different bid because uh, they may see stuff a little bit different. Okay. Okay. Is there a better unit to get brand than than Linux? What's a, what's a better brand? Well, Le- Linux is actually uh, considered a, a high-end unit. It's a pretty good unit. Uh, some of the other units you can take a look at. Uh, American Standard uh, is a good unit. Carrier is a good unit. And those three brands are con- considered top-tier type air conditioners. Okay. When you start okay. stepping into the middle tier, uh, you get into Amana and some of the others. Um, and, and amazingly enough, sometimes some of the warranties are better on some of the middle tier than it is on the top tier. Okay. Now, I will, I will tell you, I personally in my house, I have uh, American Standard, and I've been using American Standard in my home since uh, 99. Okay. 
That sounds good. I'll look into that. I'll get on your website. Okay. okay. Is that is this unusual though to have this much work yes, ma'am. to be done on it? It is. Okay. okay. Now, if you, if you told me this was a uh, 12-year-old system, I'd say, yeah, that's not all that unusual. But on an 8-year-old system, uh, I would expect it had to maybe do some capacitors and some things like that. But uh, those are relatively minor things. But uh, the coil getting a leak. I think it was a capacitor and, he's doing it, too. Yeah, and and that's normal. The capacitors are kind of a wear item. But the compressor and the coils, those type items, uh, that's unusual. Okay. Good to know. That's all I need to know. All right. Mary, you take care, and good luck with that. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. So flooding is is an issue in, in a lot of areas. And Kirk from Cleveland had a question. He says, I have a home that was has never flooded. Neighbors three houses down have flooded three times. Recent home construction next to and behind my home where the builder raised the foundation by at least four foot above mine has me afraid that I will. I need to find out if there's something I can do to prevent my home from flooding, how much it would cost to raise the house and install French drains, or is it a lost cause? I also need to look at a new roof. New electric wiring throughout had several other upgrades like vinyl floor, cabinet refacing, and plumbing issues. My home is paid for, and I have a 20000 equity line. But credit is good. Well, Kirk, you know, just because they built the house up behind you doesn't necessarily mean you're going to flood. Now, there's several different reasons they they build them up. But the biggest one nowadays, uh, and I see you're in the Cleveland area, the biggest reason for doing that is FEMA is has set the elevation codes. Of, and by that, I mean the flood elevation codes based on the 100-year and 500-year floods. And so in order for a house to be able to be covered by insurance and in order for areas to be included in natural disaster relief funds and things like that, the cities have to enforce these elevation codes. And in your area, it probably calls for it to be at, and I'm just going to throw a round number, 54 feet in elevation and the ground is at 50 that means they have to raise it four feet now where it can become a problem is if they raise it by putting a hill in there that's displacing water and the more that that happens the more flooding that takes place on lower elevation things but what the secondary part of most of the codes calls for is not only does it have to be raised but it can't displace any water. And so if there is any displacement of the water, there has to be a retention pond equal to or greater than the amount of water that was displaced. So typically what they do is it's just got the perimeter beam of the foundation and poles in the middle to support it, but that area can still get water into it, and that doesn't displace water that 
keeps you from having to worry about getting flooded. So there are ways around it, and uh, that actually would uh, not be something I'd be super concerned with unless you've had water getting near coming into your home in the past. And to further answer your question, yes, you can raise the foundation and avoid that. So there are things that can be done. There's also flood walls that can be put around a property. Uh, Some of them are even buried and just float up with the flood waters as they come. So there are options, but I don't think I'd lose a lot of sleep yet over all that. Rick in Dallas, how can I help you? Yes, Jim. Um, I've got to live in a half a duplex, and this past March we had some new air ducts, had to have all new air ducts put in. And, of course, they kind of messed up the insulation up in the attic, so we added more insulation in the attic. I think it, I couldn't tell you how many inches they put. Um, But I want to know if I do something this coming spring, what would I get the most bang on my buck? for would you do the foam insulation i have one pretty big wall that faces the west and then my front of the house faces south and which would you do would you do the foam in insulation or would you put the radiant barrier it, it depends on what my problem is uh, are you getting a lot of in the winter months cold drafts coming in through the walls facing north no i'm really just trying to to do something to help the air conditioner more in the summertime, and the air conditioner is about 12 years old. But okay, um, now I'm really not having any problems. I just was wanting to to do something to to make it better. Okay, uh, the first thing I would probably do then, because of the cost, is going to be the radiant barrier. Uh, it, okay. It's really not very expensive, and you save enough on your energy bills to typically pay for it in a matter of months, not not years. Uh, so that would typically be my first suggestion. And the one in particular that I'm talking about is Energy Q Radiant Barrier. You can lay it on the attic floor just like a blanket on top of your insulation and that's what makes it work so well is the heat that gets in the attic doesn't get down into the insulation so your insulation is able to do a better job for you uh, and it it can make a tremendous difference on your energy bills and even if they get up there they're going to of course I guess walk all over the the existing insulation it doesn't, doesn't make any difference no sir no and and I will tell you my personal home um 25 to 30 percent of my house has no insulation just the radiant barrier and i'm running a 200 dollars electric bill on a 3,000 square foot house wow okay well i was just trying to see which which i'd get the best use out of yep give uh, energy q a call at 1-800-900-6220 all right, I'll do it. Thank you. And and uh, you know when when you do get ready to do the foam insulation, and I would recommend you look at that down the road. But first, I would do the 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 radiant barrier because that's going to give you the quickest return, the biggest bang for your buck. But since you're in a duplex, if you're getting any sound from next door, when they do the foam in the walls, you may want to consider foaming that divider wall because not only does it uh, you know, help with energy bills, it does a, an amazing job of canceling sound 
from outside. Uh, it doesn't let the sound travel through it very well. And it's a wonderful hmm. fire retardant as well. Yeah. All right. That sounds sounds what I'll I'll try first. All righty. You take care, Rick. Thank you. This is a quick question. Came from Deborah and Decatur. Sinking concrete pool decking. Repair of sinking concrete pool decking that is making the pool deck pull away from in-ground gunite pool coping edge. Okay. And this is very common, especially when we have these droughts. It's just like your home's foundation. As the soil dries, it shrinks. The outside pool deck will tend to drop. And that walks it away from the coping of the pool. So when you put soaker hoses around your foundation, go around the pool deck just like it's part of the house, and that'll minimize that movement and keep that problem from getting worse. And a lot of times, it'll help correct that problem. So um, it's really not as big a problem as it sounds like. But I will tell you, if you don't address it, and by address it, I mean if you don't start watering, Each time it goes through that cycle, it gets a little bit worse. And before you know it, you're looking at replacing that concrete instead of just trying to get it back up where it was. Now, in some cases, you can mud pump it or urethane it, stuff like that. But most of the time, it's going to be too late if you don't start addressing it. Thanks for joining us for the super podcast of Texas Home Improvement. Jim has lots more on YouTube, on the TV show, and at THIPro.com. Have a good one. We'll see you next time.